Want to become best friends with the single most powerful person in the country? Whether she's a Gucci girl, Prada professional, coach queen, or target trendsetter, we'll untie the purse strings and give you the inside track on today's woman. How to capture her attention, grow her loyalty, and create such enthusiasm about your company or product that she spreads the word with her friends and family. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Purse strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, senior principal at Carmichael Lynch Spong, as she chats with those in the know so your business can grow. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Good afternoon. Welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Each and every week, you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country. The 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending. The woman. Well, first up, this past week was Advertising Week in New York. And as a result, it got a lot of buzz. Um, article in NewYorkTimes.com by Tanzina Vega and Stuart Elliott talking about women and the changing face of the industry. And what was interesting is while it was Advertising Week last week, uh, Radio Advertising Bureau and the the Radio Creative Fund also presented their Radio Mercury Awards. There was also a lot of other activity happening, including the Advertising Club of New York, which held its Multicultural Summit. Then the Advertising Women of New York marked its 100th anniversary, if you can believe that, as the League of Advertising Women of New York. Um, and they had two events last week. So there was a lot going on in, this, in the city, and there was a lot of focus on women in the industry. And as we all know, there's only 3% of creatives in the country who are women, so clearly that is an issue. And way back when the AWNY was founded, women couldn't vote. So it's been around for 100 years. Of course, lots of change have happened, but not enough. According to Laura Desmond, she's the chief executive of Starcom Media Vest Group. Uh, she is involved in the AWNA, and she says way back in the day when it was founded, there were 40 members. It grew to 550 in 1962, you know, think many years, and then now it's at 1,700. So clearly, we are making great strides, but not enough. A lot of the panelists who were involved in last week's um, roundtables were saying that, you know, women really aren't taking ownership for power. Um, you know, they're saying, you know, I didn't do that. I enabled the team, whereas, um, you know, some experts are saying men just want to be keynote speakers. They want to be solo performers, whereas women tend to be more collaborative and as a member of the team are willing to give accolades to the team and not take credit herself, which may in the end of things end up hurting us. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, you know, women are at the highest um, tops of power. You I mean, Laura Lang spoke at the CEO Summit. She's the chief executive of Time, Inc. And, you know, she brought a lot of really interesting things to light around kind of taking time from print into the digital uh, realm. Um, there's also Carolyn Everson, who's at Facebook. She's the VP of Global Marketing Solutions, and she, too, talked about data, mobile devices, and native advertising. 
So, you know, we, we are hearing more and more from women at the highest of powers, but at the same time, we have a long way to go. Um, and our guest today is going to get into that in just a moment. But first, our post profile is the Prada professional. Now, is a woman committed to her career. At the same time, she wants to be incredibly successful. She is trying to achieve some balance in her life. Around 36 years old, 74% of them are married. They've graduated from college or beyond. They're employed full-time, and 60% of them are parents. They're making more than 150000 a year. And, you know, they really are very much valuing their relationships. They have a close sector of friends. They want to feel respected by their peers. They feel like quality things are kind of the result of all the effort they've put in their career, but they do have a practical outlook on life. Um, they consider themselves good at managing money, and they do plan ahead for purchasing those expensive items. They consider themselves a workaholic, um, but they're very happy with where they are now, even they want though to eventually get to the very top of their career. They do believe life is than work and they love to spend time when they have it with their family and they are also very interested in the arts and international events as well. So if you're a marketer, how do you connect with the product professional? Well, she's reading magazines and viewing cable and network TV for entertainment. She gets her information online. Real simple is a big one. In Style Shape, uh, Vanity Fair um, are all good publications for interacting with her. She's also eFood Network, TLC, TBS. Um, so the product professional out there wanting to reach the top of her career, as many women are, and we're gaining more and more ground, Hannah Rosen should know. She's the co-founder of Double X, a woman's site connected to the online magazine site. She's also a writer for The Atlantic, and it was her article in The Atlantic that eventually sparked the book that she ended up writing called The End of Men and the Rise of Women, uh, a very interesting dissection of what's going on with power in this country and what it could mean for both genders. Very excited to have Hannah on the show, so stick around. She'll be back when Purse Strings returns after the break. Okay, time for something we can all relate to, shopping. Purse Strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. 
Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. WebmasterRadio.fm Welcome to the place your competitors get their edge. Jump on it. We're here for you 24-7. Purse Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Joining me today is Hannah Rosen. She's the co-founder of Double X, a women's site connected to the online magazine Slate. She's also a writer for The Atlantic, and she's written for many other prestigious publications like Washington Post, The New Yorker, GQ, and New York. Um, after beginning her career as a staff writer, uh, back on The New Republic. She is the author of the book, The End of Men and the Rise of Women, which is, of course, why she's here today. Hannah, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Well, congratulations on the book. You've gotten tons of buzz around it, and I'm sure that the journey to actually write this book um, was a rather long long one. I certainly, in reading about it, it seems like a rather personal one as well. Talk a little bit, if you would, about why you chose this particular topic. Yeah, there are a few things that came together at the moment I started thinking about this. We were, of course, deep in a recession. I had been, my family and I, vacationing in a small, pretty working-class town for many years. And then one year I went there, and it really felt to me like there were no men all of a sudden. Like, they didn't seem to be at the church or at the fairgrounds. And I just wondered where the men had gone. And I befriended this couple um, and had a little revelation around them. It was a woman, and she was raising a kid but not living with the father of the child. Um, And it seemed to me that the father of the child was kind of alienated from this family. And uh, I spent a long time keeping in touch with him and trying to get them back together, basically, like in the way that nosy journalists do sometimes. (laughs) And then one day it occurred to me that, you know, they weren't going to get back together, that she was so ensconced as kind of the head of her family that um, that it was, you know, that I was asking the wrong questions, basically, that something so fundamentally had shifted in their family structure uh, that it wasn't just all going to go back to the way it was. I was also running a women's site at the time. So like the statistics about what was happening between men and women sort of more broadly in the nation were coming at me very quickly, you know, so I I kind of, it was, it was two things at once. I kind of had the data coming at me and I had this particular story I was following. Yeah, highly sensitive, of course. And, you know, nosy journalist, I am a, I am a, um, a nosy journalist at heart as well. So I completely understand it's hard for us to keep our nose out of things. <laughs> exactly. It, you know, you, you're talking about all these stats and facts running at you. Um, it is really a new world order that you talk about where women are not only uh, comparable to men in the workplace and school and relationships, but in many of those cases have pulled ahead. Yes, yeah, so a lot of the story. Go ahead. Yep, go ahead. No, go ahead. 
I was going to say a lot of the story has to do with adaptability, just that the economy is changing and women seem to be having an easier time adapting than men. Uh, largely, that means that they get the credentials they need, so they go to school. I mean, these days, for better or worse, you need a college degree for so many different jobs, and women have been getting college degrees at faster rates than men. Well, and graduate degrees, too. I mean, it, in the stats that I've seen, it looks like women are pulling ahead of men in pretty much every graduate program but business. So it, is that what you're yes. saying as well? Yes, that's absolutely true. And it's just, you know, we haven't solved a lot of the problems in the American workplace. Like we can all look at the, you know, top of Congress or the top of CEOs and see there aren't that many women there. But if you look at the vast middle, you just see women rising so quickly that it's, it's a very different picture than it ever has been before. Well, and we know, too, based on getting those advanced degrees and, and, and also having more choices in life, women are delaying marriage. They may even choose to stay single, choose to have those children as solo parents. Do you feel that those symptoms are kind of the result of a society where sexes are on an equal footing? Or do you feel like, and I've, I've heard this debated before, that men may be uh, dispensable in our society eventually? You know, we don't want men to be dispensable because I think, you know, I mean, one thing about this book that I realize is that it's received as a kind of triumphalist feminist manifesto, like, yay, we won. And, you know, it's really not like that. A lot of the stories that I tell in the book are very obviously heartbreaking. Like, they're not story, they're not places you'd want the country to go. I think, you know, the fact that women have increased power in a relationship like the initial one I described is not great. I mean, you don't want to be a woman who's, you know, raising a kid alone, doesn't need anyone it doesn't strike anyone as a kind of natural or ideal situation and I do think ultimately men and women need each other I really do I mean there was a biologist recently who wrote a story saying a male biologist I might point out who wrote a story saying that you know actually ultimately we'll be able to you know warehouse sperm and we we actually won't need men which has been some apocalyptic scenarios but but I read that and thought whoa I wasn't going that far you know it doesn't seem to me like the ideal front it just seems to me we've got this kind of uneven things happening you know where women are taking over in places where they don't want to or we don't want them to um, and uh, and it's you know it's good and bad like there are some good things in there there's obviously more opportunity for women, and that's excellent. Um, there are some ways in which women have more, a lot more choices and control over their life, um, but there are other ways in which this is unfolding in a, in a kind of more worrisome direction. Right. I'm curious if you think the dynamics uh, between gender relationships is a, has resulted in a positive thing from all this change, or if it's actually gotten worse? For, for which one? I'm sorry. For, for the relationship dynamics between the, the genders. <laughs> Right. So it sort of depends on which social class you're in. I mean, like everything else in America, uh, marriage uh, and relationships have fallen into a unequal class divide. So for the college-educated, things seem to be looking pretty good. I mean, college-educated people, you know, it used to be that the man who was in his business office or who had an MBA married his secretary, um, and like in Mad Men, you know, and that's not how it works anymore. You generally marry your equal. You marry another woman in business school, and the two of you make money, and you have a relatively happy marriage as these things go. And uh, now, that's what's happening now, whereas people without a college degree seem to be married, getting married less and less. 
Um, so it's so at some level you could say, oh well, this is women kind of avoiding getting entangled with men that are not worthy of them. But on the other hand, this is people not getting married and not being together. So it's not so much that I'm interested in whether people get married or not, but I am interested in you know whether people support each other and and, and stay together. So I think it it has all sorts of different consequences for people depending on who they are and where they are. Um, now for women in their 20s, I think that's where you see the biggest changes because people are getting married a lot later. And so no matter who you are, if you're in your 20s, you do feel like you have some greater degree of, of, of control about whether you're going to be dependent on someone or not or establish your own career or not. That that's a, that's a moment in life when a lot of women have uh, more choices. You alluded to this a little bit earlier in our conversation about how in the broad middle we see women really rapidly rising and yet we necessarily have not achieved the C-suite at the same rates or you don't see us in Congress at the same rates as men. You don't see us in boardrooms or on board appointments. What do you think the deal is there? If we're really pulling ahead, why aren't we seeing the change at the highest of levels? So there's a lot of ways you can look at this, and I'm, you know, I'm figuring this out myself. So the, the trends all point in one direction. It looks as if you know, we're moving ahead, even if we're moving ahead at a jagged rate and differently in different industries, that there are some women, some specialties where women are doing incredibly well and are dominating. And then there are some that seem stuck, like the financial sector, where a lot of the wealth is pooled. And I think there's several things going on. First of all, it hasn't been going on that long. So you've only, you know, it's only been about 40 years, mm -hmm. even less yeah. by some counts, that women have been rising. So, so that's not enough time to, you know, make a revolution and turn the world upside down, given how long men have been in power. So that's, that's the first thing. Uh, but then people say, you know, there are some people who argue that maybe we've hit the place where we really have to make some serious structural changes for the next level to happen. The American workplace is notoriously not family friendly, you know, not to men or to women, mm -hmm. um, and, and we work long hours, and the question is, you know, do women get to remake the workplace so that it's more family-friendly, or, you know, are we sort of stuck in this moment where, where we really have to fight hard to move forward, so you'll get, an, you know, you'll, you'll get slowly one or more people like Marissa Mayer, the new CEO of Yahoo, who had her baby last week and, you know, was already back at work, like, you'll just need a few superhumans to break through like that. And, uh, and, uh, and, and that will, and that will change the picture. Or it's sort of a Barack Obama situation where suddenly, you know, you have somebody, you have somebody elected. I do feel like we're close to electing a woman. Um, and, and then, you know, the picture will suddenly look different. I'm not sure. It's hard to predict how these things will, will, will come down. Yeah. Uh, if we all had a crystal ball, right? I mean, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, Hannah, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I do want to talk to you about your own personal situation as a wife and mom of two daughters and a son, um, and how you kind of see them and their future. So more from Hannah Rosen in just a moment. Okay, time for something we can all relate to, shopping. Her Strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I signed us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. 
To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Rise links and web indexes. Take a bow to the largest link map in the world. Majestic SEO. Majestic SEO wields its virtual sort with speed and accuracy to deliver detailed reports of your company's link data and that of your competition. Let Majestic SEO make you your own king of internet marketers and join the crusade of clients and agencies that have chosen the noble choice for link intelligence. MajesticSEO.com Maximize ROI to use your time. WebmasterRadio.fm Keeping you out of rush hour traffic. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. And we're back. I've been chatting today with author Hannah Rosen. She's the woman behind The End of Men and the Rise of Women. She's also the co-founder of Double X, a woman's site connected to the online magazine Slate. And we just spent the last section talking about the state of women in the United States and how, uh, yes, we've been gaining a lot of ground over the last 30 to 40 years um, in the middle sector of the employee base that haven't reached the highest of levels of power and lots of reasons for that. And I'm curious, Hana, as the mom of two sons and a daughter, how the research that you did for this book and then the reaction that it's gotten, just has it changed how you look at them and how you prepare them for their future? It absolutely has. What I realized is that, you know, I have a son and a daughter, and they're both equally smart. I have another son, but he's too little to be in school yet. Um, and uh, but, but the things that school is demanding sort of come more easily to my daughter than, I do, than they do to my son. They're both good students. I mean, I think this is probably, a, this is probably an experience that, that plenty of parents have. And so I think a lot about how to equip him for that, uh, and I think that I, you know, I basically, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to change him. I'm not going to do a kind of William wants a doll experiment on my son and try to feminize him. I mean, there's no way that's going to work. He's sort of a budding computer programmer type. Uh, nor do I feel that comfortable completely changing the schools and having them bend to his will, although I know there's a lot of good movements out there to try and get boys to move more or to read different things, and I applaud all of those. Uh, but what, so my philosophy is more give him some extra tools, you know, ones that he might not have internally or have naturally, but that might help him, uh, you know, accommodate to what school is demanding of him, like organizational skills, you know, sort of really basic stuff to keep up with what are the growing demands of school. So I make a list, I always call it in kind of trying to foster his internal secretary. Um, somebody once told me that a school gets more complicated, we have to be our son's secretaries. And, you know, in my head, I was thinking, I, I don't want to be my son's <laughs> secretary because I'm not going to be there forever. So, um, so I want him to cultivate his own inner secretary. And so 
you know, just the other day we did it again. We make a list of everything he has to do in the evening and the morning, and he's basically got to check that list. And hopefully after, you know, two weeks, three weeks, he kind of internalizes that list, and then he does it on his own. So it's it's little things like that where I'm both recognizing the reality of the new world but also recognizing that he is who he is and, you know, just giving him whatever tools he needs to get to the other end. I love that, the internal secretary. I know a number of people who could actually use one of those. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, and, and clearly you're rallying around your eldest son. I am curious if you see, though, this shift in society where we are starting to recognize that maybe boys are starting to fall behind, whether it's because we've placed so much emphasis on girls or not. I mean, who really knows? But what what are you seeing? Are you seeing that maybe we are more focused on them to keep them competitive in school and the workplace? You, feel like that's something that needs to happen as we look at this shift and what's happening with with women rising in power? I think that it, this idea is taking root. I mean, the idea that boys are having trouble in school and that boys need help, I think for for about it, this has been around since the 1990s, and I think we, we, we didn't really acknowledge it or accept it in the U.S. that much. In other countries, they really do have programs to help boys, where I think now at least we're realizing, now we may not think about this in terms of my son who comes from a good educated family and will probably be all right and in fact will probably greatly benefit from the changes I'm describing because they'll take some pressure off him when he's older you know to to be a certain way or be a certain kind of man I mean probably the world I'm describing is good for my son but we are starting to recognize that boys are having trouble that a lot more boys are growing up in single mother households and are falling behind and I think that's becoming more accepted in the U.S. as Mm -hmm. a problem that we need to face head on. I'm curious about what you see globally. You know, uh, there are many countries who are much more progressive than we are. There's many countries who aren't as progressive when it comes to female, kind of that female power trajectory. Talk a little bit, if you would, about what other company, what other countries are, how they're kind of adapting to a change in power structure. This is happening in different ways in different countries in the world. I chose to focus my international chapter on Korea because I thought that was such an interesting example of a place that is deeply patriarchal and remains deeply patriarchal, but on the other hand has experienced such a rapid rise of women in its country that it's basically caused this culture clash where you have these women who are highly ambitious, highly educated, incredibly successful, but are banging up against a you know, a kind of very rigid patriarchal society and one which expects them to be a wife in a very certain kind of way and doesn't really budge. So so it's just, you know, I, I'm, I'm like looking at these things happening and banging up against different cultural factors and it's just very interesting. One of the most uh, interesting people I quote in the book is a Spanish demographer named Albert Esteve and he writes about how in many countries in the world women have started to marry down, which means marry men with less prospects than they have, um, less skills, less credentials, who might be making less money at the time that they get married. Um, And he says something very poetic about Spain. He's told me that in Spain, uh, about... 20% of marriages are to foreign-born, people who are not themselves Spanish. And he says that's because the Spanish men are marrying the Latin American immigrants who they think of as Spanish women of 50 years ago, Uh, whereas the Spanish women are marrying the German and Norwegian immigrants who they think of as the Spanish men who will exist 50 years from now. So you can see you have kind of men and women in in certain cultures sort of looking at each other almost as as foreign species now as as they change and grow, and it takes a while before they kind of get used to each other. 
That's fascinating. Um, I think yeah. a lot of the Asian countries are probably experiencing some of the same things. And I know as we look at becoming increasingly a global community, that's something that we'll, we'll be keeping a close watch on. As you look at the next five to ten years, what th- do you think really needs to happen to make sure our families, our institutions, our companies in this country aren't leaving any gender behind? Two things, I think. Uh, for the men, I think what needs to happen is we really need to relax our sense of what a man needs to do, what kind of jobs a man needs to do. We need to open up our minds and our imaginations a little bit. I'm not saying that all men need to become nurses or teachers, but I think you know there's a halfway point here where as we think about the manufacturing economy and how to rebuild the jobs that were lost in the manufacturing economy, we think cre- pretty creatively about, say, high-tech manufacturing or green manufacturing or the kinds of manufacturing Manufacturing still preserves a man's sense of his own identity, but also requires some skills and credentials. So you're sort of bringing people into the new economy, uh, but also, you know, kind of preserving their their sense of self and pride. Um, and I think for women, what, what needs to happen is we need to get a little more comfortable, uh, two things, we need to get a little more comfortable with, uh, with, with female power, basically, and dominance, that, that that still strikes us uncomfortably, that when women behave in a straightforwardly powerful way, they still get penalized in society for that. So I feel like that's part of getting us to the next step. And then for families, more broadly, I would say, you know, the American workplace is extremely family-unfriendly as industrialized nations go. We still behave as if we have a workforce from 1962 where one person's always at home. And of course, that isn't the case from the vast majority of American families. So we all need to think hard about, you know, the little sacrifices we want to make to make it possible for people to work, support their families, even, you know, see out their ambition, but not completely sacrifice their life. Mm-hmm. Lots of change needs to happen, in other words. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Lots of change. You know, it's a little overwhelming. Uh, Hannah, thanks so much for being on the program today. I want everybody to go out and get this book, The End of Men and the Rise of Women. You can find it on Amazon and in bookstores near you. And, of course, Hannah, um, people can go on to your website, HannahRosen.com. Is that the best place to connect with you? Exactly, and it's spelled H-A-N-N-A-R-O-S-I-N, HannahRosen.com, and I am trying to answer all the emails that I get and uh, all correspondence, (laughs) and uh, you'll find a lot of information about me in the book on that. Fabulous. Hannah, thanks so much, and thanks to my producer, George, for another great show, and join me right here for another edition of Purse Strings next Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Until then, make it a great one. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.